0: Mission
1: 2 San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street Studios you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle <laughs> It has candy it has hot dogs sandwiches well and is some of the some of the prices You're just going to block our whole view in our parklet. Ain't nobody in that parklet. Shoot. You blocking my son and everything. I'm trying to live right now. I'm trying to live.
2: That was San Francisco Mayor London Breed recording in a parklet on Balboa Street moments after a restaurant supply truck blocked her son. We met the mayor to talk about the Small Business 30-Day Challenge. Heather, you have a column about this today.
3: I do. I got the exclusive. Um, The mayor is going to be announcing that the month of May, she's challenging city residents to the Small Business 30-Day Challenge. That means for 30 days, no Amazon, no Costco, no Safeway. You can only patronize small businesses, local restaurants, your corner store, that kind of thing.
2: This sounds completely like a total SF thing, so we're doing this, right, Heather?
3: We're totally doing this.
2: Okay, what's the hardest thing gonna be for you? Because all small business, no big chains for a month, what's your biggest challenge?
3: I am a regular at the Safeway on Diamond Heights, Uh, That's where I do all of my grocery shopping. My husband teases me that I am so regimented in my grocery shopping that I go the same way up and down each aisle (laughs) each time. It's like ingrained in my brain. So I have to um, break out of that for a whole month.
2: Okay, I'm thinking like gas stations. Like, am I just going to have to ride my bike? Are there any small business gas stations um, I'm thinking my kids are going to be really sad that Taco Bell doesn't exist for 30 days. That's going to be in their mommy dearest style <laughs> memoir that they write about me. That I There were no Burrito
3: of. Supremes from <laughs> yes. May 2021.
2: Yeah, and I think there's going to be things that we're not even thinking about.
3: But I think it's going to be fun too because we'll be forced to explore some places we may have never been.
2: Yeah, and I think it's going to create some new habits. That's the hope, that coming out of this, this gives the small businesses a little bit of a charge and gets us thinking a different way because we really got to help these places. We got to keep them alive and uh, have them, you know, for our grandkids and for us to visit for a long time.
3: Yeah, it's not enough to just say, oh, I like having a bookstore or a diner in my neighborhood. You actually have to spend money there. Um, And no year has made this more clear than the past year. We've just endured...
2: Yeah. So the month of May, um, it's going to be our small business month, and we're going to extend it a little beyond that, too. Excellent podcast with the mayor. We talk a lot about the future of small business, where we're going to be after the pandemic as a city. And we have some fun, too. We we talk roller skating. Um, this comes up again after our David Miles Jr. episode. <laughs>
3: She was Uh, not happy about the little secret he divulged.
2: No, there's a rift now. (laughs) Um, We talk Ms. Pac-Man. That was a good one. A lot about ice cream. And Heather, did I imagine it or did the mayor say she didn't go out on a second date with someone once specifically because he didn't like the movie The Rock?
3: She did say that. um, But I, I can see where she's coming from. If you don't like Sean Connery, that's a deal breaker.
2: I agree. Uh, please take the Small Business 30-Day Challenge month of May. Tag us on social media at hashtag TotalSF and hashtag SmallBizChallenge. That's B-I-Z, SmallBizChallenge. Mayor Breed coming up. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much.
3: Mayor London Breed, welcome to the Total SF Podcast. Thank you. We understand that you're sick of Zoom meetings and we are too, so it's good to see you outside in person. It is good to be seen outside (laughs) in person, anywhere.
2: Yes. You know, we're talking about the importance of small business to San Francisco and told you to pick one of your favorites as a meeting spot. Uh, we're at the Cinderella Bakery and Cafe, a couple nice dogs here, 31 Balboa passing by. What made you pick this business?
1: Well, because I like the parklet. <laughs> I like the, the grass and the greenery that they put out here, and it's like one of those places that you would never think of coming to unless you lived in this neighborhood, uh, but they have a plant store that I like two blocks up, uh-huh. and so... Sometimes you stumble on these places and you can hide out, especially when you're the mayor and wearing a baseball cap, so it's a a pretty cool location. Does the mask
3: come in handy for that, going incognito? Oh, definitely,
1: definitely. But as soon as I start talking or if I don't wear a baseball cap, I'm definitely identifiable.
3: Yeah. Well, you have a big challenge for San Franciscans coming up for the month of May. You are challenging us to only patronize small businesses. For a whole month, no Amazon, no Safeway, no Costco, and Peter and I are going to take this challenge. First question: Are you going to take the challenge? And be and second question: Why do you think this is such an important thing to do? Well, I, I definitely am going to take the challenge, and plus, I've been doing
1: the challenge already, especially since COVID began. Um, it's been hard on so many small businesses, and I have made a, a more Um, of an effort to go to local businesses, to go to my local hardware store, to go to Gus's Market and other local markets, Um, people that have been struggling to buy from restaurants and cafes and usually I'll make my own coffee but sometimes I'll just walk outside and go to a cafe and and grab some coffee around the corner uh, at the grind or any place like that so I think uh, it's important to start uh, to be mindful of that, and so through that throughout this pandemic, uh, I've spent a lot of time, especially on Clement Street, is like one of my one of my favorite places to walk to. I walk all the way from the Lower Hay oh, wow. to Clement to get my my steps in, but a lot of those businesses. Um, they're, they, they have great prices. They have anything that you could want. And so I think it's important for people to be mindful about what we have in our neighborhoods and, and make the extra effort.
2: We're going to, we're going to ask people to take this challenge, but also think about three businesses that are really special to you and almost like you know support those businesses champion them we're going to pick our three businesses if you could wave your magic ooh, there's 31 balboa right there right there i saw
3: it said five fulton it might be mislabeled
2: five it Pol- is fly-
3: five fulton <laughs> come on peter you know all the muni lines sorry it
2: was right behind me i don't know him by hearing um so if you could wave your mayor magic wand and uh save three businesses forever right now what would they be
1: Ooh, oh my God, that is so hard. Well, first of all, Crystal Way, it's on Market Street. It's like a crystal shop and I'm really into crystals. And I love that place. It's like my feel good, happy place. Um, Sloth Garden, Mm -hmm. uh, the one out on Sloth Ave. There's like three locations in the city, but like my absolute favorite is the one on Sloth Ave. It's by the zoo. Like that's my other happy place. And then the ice cream bar in <laughs> Cole Valley. <laughs> they have macadamia nut ice cream right now that is to die for. Wow. And so. Um, it Why didn't we meet there? <laughs> because they're not open until oh, 12. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but but they have macadamia uh, nut ice cream. And um, it's seasonal. So it's out right now. Um, those, those places make me smile. I hope. I hope. Other places don't feel so terrible, but Coal Hardware is so reliable for Mm -hmm. everything. They even sell plants at Coal Hardware, so um, we got some amazing businesses in the city.
3: Yeah. And as San Francisco begins to emerge from this dreadful year, how are you feeling overall when it comes to the city's economy? Things are are not looking quite as bad as they did several months ago, but an untold number of small businesses and especially restaurants have quietly closed permanently without even an announcement and people just kind of, you know, stumble on it. Um, So how do we fill those spaces, which we already had a lot of vacant storefronts before COVID hit, and now we have less money to do it?
1: Well, that's going to be tough, and and I'm really proud that San Francisco, despite um you know what the state and the federal government did to help small businesses that we really stepped up and we've been able to provide over 75 million dollars in relief in various capacities to small businesses whether it's waive or defer fees or uh, grants and loans and creative uh, ways to support our small business community we we've done a lot but of course not nearly enough to keep everyone in business Uh, and and even before this pandemic we saw a number of empty storefronts. And as much as we'd love to have the ability to force you know, a number of landlords to make their space available, um, that has been also a difficulty, too, because we, as a city, our Office of Economic and Workforce Development, in some cases have tried to help negotiate leases, negotiate the use of properties with with landlords and small businesses that we know need four walls. And it has been really, really tough. And so I think part of what we're gonna try to do is some incentives, um, some incentives for Uh, people who have empty spaces Uh, some of them are thinking about and I'm meeting with a number of them in groups but they're thinking about providing like six months you know of uh, free space and to help with the build out and so this is something we did in the Fillmore many many years ago after the Fillmore Center was built there was uh, relief there was support provided for build out and no interest and and low interest loans um, that help create opportunities for local small business owners. And so I think part of it is it's going to have to be a partnership with landlords, a partnership, uh, you know, and provide some incentives to get people to let folks in their space. And the city has to also, which we did with Proposition 8, get rid of some of the bureaucracy. Uh, You heard about the uh, place that was a nail salon that uh, would have taken a year to transition to an ice cream parlor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, basically they were able to get a permit in one day and make a transition in order to create a different space that people would use and and, and support so that they can keep their business going and pay their rent. Um, so I think having uh, getting rid of bureaucracy, uh providing incentives working with local landlords and working with so many of our small businesses uh to make it a lot easier for them to do business in the city and i, I mentioned ice cream bar as an mm-hmm. example of a, a favorite place it took them almost two years to open
3: two years really hard for ice cream shops especially i don't yeah. know why <laughs> there's two, like a pattern two
1: two years and 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 then they were told very very last minute that they had to give $250,000 to PUC to cover some water situation. Wow. And I mean, ice cream, like where you, you just, first of all, ice cream is amazing. <laughs> but second of all, it it just it's not real that someone has to go through that and i'm so glad that she stuck with it and and juliet the owner has a place in coal valley she has the a place in castro but even the place in castro was difficult and so what i have been focused on in prop h and and also our small business recovery efforts that is going through the board of supervisors now as we speak is getting rid of bureaucracy that is going to help businesses uh, their ability to do business in the city in the first place, along with incentives.
2: Mm-hmm. It feels like we need the ice cream stores more than ever, like essential service level, you know. I... It
1: is, because doesn't it make you smile? <laughs> it's something about someone walking up to you and handing you a uh, waffle cone made out of more butter than you could ever <laughs> eat
3: in a lifetime. Yeah, It's something about that with the ice cream and yes. just... It makes you feel good. Good incentives for kids too. Yeah, to be on their best behavior. We're, <laughs> we're
2: going there next, by the way. Work meeting. You know,
3: they'll be. They should be open at twelve.
1: Oh no, you know what? They're not open on I think Mondays or Tuesdays. Oh. But the uh, the Castro Fountain might be open. So okay. make sure you look. We'll it figure up. it out.
2: We'll, we'll get in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you're a San Francisco native. Grew up in the Western Edition. Were there small businesses that you remember being really special to your family? Oh yeah, Mr.
1: Miyako. Uh, it's still open, and they have like ice cream, candies. It's on Fillmore Street, across the street from Shiba Lounge. Uh, it is one of those places that when we would walk to school, uh, it, it was we would. Y- There's nothing like being able to get a bag full of candy and go to the school like na-na-na-na-na, <laughs> You know, and and everybody wanted to be your friend because they wanted <laughs> you to share, and you you wanted to share. You you wanted to be popular. Um, but Mr. Miyako was a great business in the neighborhood, and he's still there. Uh, oh, Mr. Wow. Bennett is the name of the person who's running the business, and, and Miyako is the name of the, the place that has ice cream, it has candy, it has hot dogs, sandwiches. Whoa, and some of, the, some of the prices are still similar to when I was a kid. So that's a pretty amazing business. Wait. You're just going to block 25. our whole view in our parkway. You can, ain't nobody in that parkway. Shoot. You blocking my son and everything. I'm trying to live right now. I'm trying to live.
2: So do you remember, again, in that childhood, mine is Zimberger. I'm a little older than you. but I
1: remember Zims. All right. Well, my
2: my question is, do you remember a small business that closed and it hit you pretty hard?
1: Huh, let's see. I didn't, I didn't. So I didn't spend a lot of time at small businesses uh, or or businesses in general because we didn't have a lot of money. Um, We only shopped at places like a place called Foodland, uh, which was the grocery store right across the street. We shopped at the National Dollar Store where my grandmother got most of our clothes and the Goodwill. And um, on special occasions, we would go downtown, catch the 31 Balboa, and go to the Emporium Catwell and put That's something so... on her credit card. <laughs> that was like super, like super duper special. So I can't think of any place that um, might have closed since I was a kid that I remember that I wish was open. There was uh, every now and then Doggy Diner, right? Oh yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Um, there still is the uh, uh, Winchell's Donuts mm-hmm. and places like that, and
2: we'd always go to the zoo and go by the Doggy Diner because there was the one on Slope. Uh huh. And but then I had like my bologna and cheese sandwich, and I always wanted to go to Doggy Diner,
1: and I never went. <laughs> so Aww, should've gone. That's okay. I never went. We just could drive right yeah, by. Yeah. 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 My grandmother was like, "We can cook that food at home." <laughs> she didn't mess around. Ba- see, back then during that time. People didn't really go out and spend money and sit at restaurants. I mean, I know I didn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a thing. Um, so this, this is a new thing. Now when I see families and kids out, I'm like, you're so lucky. You get to eat at a restaurant. It's a big deal. Get it. Oh, you know what? No, the Japantown Bowl. Yes, Japantown Bowl. That was a heartbreaking one. Oh. So that was our whole childhood. That was video games. It was bowling. It was french fries for a dollar. It was where we hung out as teens. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was fun. And that, that that was probably the most heartbreaking closure I've experienced.
2: No. What was your video game? What was your like high oh, score? Ms. Your initial. Your <laughs> initials me are Miss yes. Pac-Man.
1: Uh, I will beat anybody. I will cha- today challenge anybody to Miss Pac-Man.
3: Forget right the small business challenge.
1: It's Miss Pac-Man. It's Miss Pac-Man. You can't beat me in Miss Pac-Man. I'm good. You know I got to get I got to exercise my wrist and get her ready, but Miss Pac-Man.
2: We'll be right back after this short break. Well, I, I dig around a lot in the archive and the 1918 flu pandemic, um, you know, wasn't a great moment for San Francisco, but the city bounced back. You look at the New Year's Eve after all the hotels were sold out, all the theaters were sold out. What do you think about 2021, 2022? What do you think San Francisco is going to look like? Do you think that we bounce back from this and, and have a good year?
1: Oh, it's going to be known as the roaring 20s all over again. <laughs> That's what we're hoping. I think that people can't wait to get out, uh, to celebrate, to throw their mask up in the air and wave them like they just don't care. (laughs) I I think people are going to have a good time, especially as new year's Eve comes, what happened last year. And people are going to want to celebrate. They're going to want to go out. They're going to want to have a good time. Uh, Kids are going to want to do kids. are going to start to come back alive again, hopefully um, with what they're all going through. So I think, I think as we come out of this pandemic, the desires that people have that they took for granted before are going to increase. So I want to go to every concert. I don't care if I like the artist or not. I want to go to every event, every performance, anything that I can see and look and watch somebody perform or a game or anything else for that matter. I am I'm excited to do it. I'm going
2: to cry like a four nothing Giants loss. I'm just going to cry because I've got my, (laughs) you know, Crab we're gonna sandwich. go. We're gonna go. Yes. You're going today? No, 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 no. Someday.
3: It's just on our to-do list. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, what about a hundred years from now? Now we look back at 1918, and San Francisco was a little bit of a little bit of a cautionary uh, tale. They, San Francisco started out great, and then threw all their masks away too early. A couple thousand more people died afterward. Do you think about how we'll be looked at, and what we're doing right now, and what people are going to think of us a hundred years from now?
1: I think that. San Francisco is going to be looked at as a model for the entire world, Um, mostly because when you look at our early actions, when you look at our numbers, uh, as it relates to the number of infections, as well as the number of deaths, uh, in comparison to any other major city in this country, when you look at the vaccination rates, ours are higher than the state and national numbers, like San Francisco did it right, and I think our Department of Public Health will be praised like they were during the AIDS crisis and and what they did to um, endure what was neglect um, from a lot of people to deal with something that was completely out of control that most people didn't understand. Our Department of Public Health was at the forefront of this crisis, and I think people are gonna look back and say, wow, this is is the way that you do it. This was a way to do it right, but not only that, I'm proud of what San Francisco has done to make the investments and make, like there was no playbook for a pandemic. There was only stuff that we saw in the history books. And we're like, well, you know, we don't wanna repeat the same mistakes, but we're like, this is a hundred years later with modern technology and modern medicine and all of these things, you would think that we wouldn't have had to go as far as we did, but we did and we saved lives. And so I think that's really gonna be Something that's going to be in the history books and talked about, especially um, for you know, future pandemics or, or future situations that may occur that are similar.
2: Yeah, you know, you look back and there was an anti-mask league here that second time around. There were people who were fighting not to wear their masks. And I see here like people looking out for each other. We were talking about going to a concert, going to a ball game. I think one thing that's going to make it emotional is because you're going to be looking around at people who looked out for you and you looked out for them. And now we're watching the Giants or Beyonce or whatever. I mean, we're all going to tear up. (laughs) What's better than that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I can't wait. And I can't wait until we can walk around really without our masks. But I really like it kind of because it gives me the ability to walk around and and do my own like shopping
3: outside by myself um, are you recognized a lot less when you have your cap and your mask on yes definitely
1: mm-hmm. yeah and then I, I take cash with me so that
3: I'm not <laughs> they don't see my your cars. name on the
1: credit card <laughs> yeah because one time i forgot and i was like i put my card on the counter and i was like Ooh, but they found me <laughs> I, was, I was busted
3: <laughs> well we're not too far from golden gate park um, right now where a big fight has erupted over jfk drive and the future that car free space Um, similar fights have erupted over twin peaks the great highway shared spaces slow streets are you surprised that it's been such a big challenge to keep these small silver linings of the pandemic permanent well no because i think you know i I think what people have to also understand is as
1: good as it feels to be somebody who can ride your bike out there or go out there with your kids or uh, walk up those hills There's another constituency in San Francisco, there's another group of people who are not maybe in the best physical shape or they they may not have the ability to do exactly what some people who are in decent physical shape are able to do and I just don't think it's fair to exclude one group over another so we need to be very careful. Um, as we start to look at ways to make places car free how do we make sure we do so without leaving out a specific community and Mm -hmm. that's the discussion that we're going to be having because um, you know clearly um, you know for example when Twin Peaks closed down the first thing I you know I got a call from this woman um, who was trying to bring her mom up there because she wanted to take pictures with her family and and they're all not in they couldn't couldn't get up to Twin Peaks Mm -hmm. um, lived in the Bayview Hunters Point wanted to drive up there, and and we're like, how do we get up there? You know, and and why should it take them needing to reach out to me to have a clear understanding of their ability to access Twin Peaks, like anybody else for mm-hmm. that matter? Uh, there's that component of it, but then there's also like a safety component, right? And the ability as a, a, a city where you have cars that are kind of everywhere, a city that was built on cars, um, uh, you want to make sure that people feel good about walking around and feel safe about walking around. I think they've been great additions, but this is a urban city. This is a urban city that um, can make some adjustments and and adapt
3: to change, but uh, to not be so exclusive in the process of doing so. What did you think of Supervisor Shimon Walton and Asha Safai's statements that JFK Drive is um, segregationist and recreational redlining? Well, I,
1: I, I don't I don't believe I agree with that um, term. I think that's a little extreme for for uh, for what we're talking about here because I think that again it's a balance of, of trying to make sure that no one is excluded because no one wants to be excluded and that people <laughs> whoa <laughs> and that people feel safe and secure and they're able to use the parks just like anyone else and l- look. Um, Golden Gate Park is huge. I Mm -hmm. walk through there like a lot Mm -hmm. and when I walk through there I think shoot I'm tired let me turn around before I get tired walking back home right and so when I think about it and I think about the people who may want to come and visit I think about even growing up in San Francisco remember when we used to roller skate in Golden Gate Park all Mm -hmm. the time so my aunt would bring me she went to Washington High School so we would catch the bus On weekends have our little roller skates because you could not (laughs) roller skate to Golden Gate Park but everybody wanted to roller skate in Golden Gate Park I know they're roller skating there now I I had a chance to do that too Uh, but we had to get on the bus and you know that was a whole day like get on the bus go up there even down the street from you know Eddie and Laguna Uh, and then we would skate for you know a couple maybe two hours and then we would get on the bus be tired (laughs) and head back home but it's, it's just important to be fair, mm-hmm. um, to be equitable, and to be open, and to not, you know, I don't, I think to say, oh, we're going to close it to everybody permanently is not fair. And I don't think saying, oh, it's, you know, redlining and segregationists and so on and so forth, I, I don't think that's fair. I think that we can strike a balance by working together.
2: Mm-hmm. We, I used to come up from the South Bay, and my parents and my grandparents who were Mexican immigrants came to San Francisco in the 20s. We would go to the park because they closed down JFK. It was car-free, and I would go to skates on hate, rent my skates. I got a photo of me rolling into Golden Gate Park at age eight or nine. But we would go there because it was closed down. So I think it's a draw too. And and I, there's been so many improvements with the bike lanes here, and and I biked with my 86-year-old dad. I live in Alameda. We got on the ferry, and we biked, and I f- felt safe getting there. So they can have my parking spots. I'm going to bike in San Francisco, you know? So I I just think there's a win-win here. And I think there's a win-win
1: when you balance it because you know, you fortunately are, and your dad, you're in a position where you can bike. And so think about those people who may not have bikes, or those people who may only rely on Muni to get to where they need to go, or it's not about necessarily just parking cars there. I wanna be clear, Um, it's just, it's a big place. And I like the fact that uh, over the years on weekends, it's been closed down because you have an increase in the number of people. And so we need to look at that. But if we're talking about every single day, um, I, I'm not sure if that's that's the best way to do it. I think there's a compromise to be made for sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we got uh, we always leave the hardest question for last. Um, David Miles Jr. told us in the last episode um, that you came out to the Skating Place and you were you stuck around doing the Thriller dance, hanging <laughs> out there. He also said the you cupid came, shuffle, cupid shuffle. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got to be correct here. He also said uh, you went to Church of Eight Wheels had a little trouble there, there was a fall.
0: Her skills are much better than it was the first time she skated.
3: <laughs>
2: tell us that, that. now you've got to tell us that story.
0: It.
3: What happened the first time? Uh, she
0: was a supervisor then, and we had the, we had just recently opened the Church of Eight Wheels, and you know, it's always been, you know, a very popular thing, and a lot of the uh, politicals come, and it was great. <laughs> it You're was being great.
3: very diplomatic.
0: Nah, you know, uh, if you go swimming you get wet, right? <laughs> if you go skating you fall down. It's it's gonna happen. And she she took a spill. But it was really cool to see her come out here to the park. It's one thing to fall at the church, you know, the floor and stuff like that is wood. But when you fall on this asphalt out here, it is very unforgiving and it yeah. doesn't discriminate and none of that. So, um but I thought that she would skate for a minute or two, you know, from the last experience. And uh
2: Man, she was here for like for 3 hours. She's she was, out there she's out there doing the
0: thriller she dance. She was doing with the, you. The, the Cupid <laughs> shuffle and and people were teaching her moves. And she, not only that she was getting the moves. That that was the coolest part. And but no, uh, to see London Breed doing that really is it kind of reminded me of uh what is it? OAC you know, she's dancing and having a good time and stuff. And here's London Breed out here partying, <laughs> keeping shuffled. I like that. I want my legal representatives. I want my mayors. I want my supervisors to be out here yeah. doing this stuff. How are they going to know anything about uh, anything that they're doing is helping anybody if they don't get out here with the people and have a funky good time?
1: He told you that? He told us that. He is not right for
3: that. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't have a fall? That floor is slippery. So we've been wondering, he says you improved a lot, whether you've been practicing your roller skating. Well, listen, when I was a kid, I
1: could roller skate. I could play, you know, I jumped double dutch, all those things. But you know what? After a while, you get age, and (laughs) the knees aren't what they used to be. You think you could do what you did when you were 10, and it's, you know, 30 years later, it doesn't work that way. So, to be, in my defense, at the Church of Eight Wheels, that floor is very slippery. It is. So, you all need to try I it. I have fallen there, I Thank confess. you. Thank you. Okay, because that is, kids have fallen, everybody, you know, has, has fallen at Church of Eight Wheels. So, there's no shame in that. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I haven't been necessarily practicing, uh, and it's always a a, a, pro, a process, but it's just like riding a bike. Once you learn how to ride a bike you can get out there and ride it it just takes a minute to get back used to it and and so with skating it's like oh I'm on on wheels and and that's very similar but I wasn't so bad I was speeding and everything
3: he was complimenting you
1: yeah you improved he
2: complimented you for three minutes and then just kind of dropped because there was a fall at the church of eight wheels and then Heather like the attack dog journalist she is got to the bottom of it thank you thank you
3: and thank you for admitting that you had the same problem and those floors are slippery it is Okay, so you're done with the serious questions and you've done the lightning round as a mayoral candidate, but not as a mayor. So, jeez, these horns are so loud. Where's your favorite place in the city to get a burrito? Poncho Villa. Where's your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Ooh. Dang it.
1: Who has good drinks now? Probably Sheba Lounge. Yeah. They have they have like they have uh, the Sheba. It's spicy. It's good, Ooh. but they haven't been
3: open. Yeah. What's your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? The Rock. Oh, that's a good one. Yes,
2: <laughs> we showed that at the Balboa a yes, Small we Business, did. and yes. it was. We've done, like, ten movies now. I
1: know that movie by heart, by the way. <laughs> People
2: loved it. It was so off the hook. Everybody was with their It's It and beer. I think that was our best I fight. had to break
1: it off with somebody who I was going out on date with who never heard of The Rock. Oh, that is it a was, deal breaker. I was like, I'm done. And you from San Francisco?
3: No. No. What was your first concert? Uh, Ice Cube. Ooh. We're at, at Fillmore. Nice. Oh. Snuck in. <laughs> How old are you? I
1: remember I, I, was, I was probably like maybe 13, <laughs> and I had my uh, pink, was I 13 or 14? I had my pink guest overalls. I thought I was
3: everything. <laughs> With the triangle?
1: Yes. What was the last book you read? Well, the last book I read was by Alicia Garza. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the name of it, but that was the last book I read, and I'm reading Barack Obama's now, mm-hmm. The Promised
3: Land. That's a long one yeah it's good though (laughs) good if you could unilaterally change one thing about the way city hall works what would it be i would get rid of bureaucracy
1: Mm -hmm. period i would make it so easy for anyone to do anything they want that's reasonable Mm
3: -hmm. period sounds good during the pandemic what have you been most proud of and most frustrated by when it comes to san francisco politics
1: well, I've been proud of the fact that we that I was able to issue an emergency declaration and created all these shared spaces uh, without bureaucracy, because when I was on the Board of Supervisors and I tried to help businesses set up these parklets, it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And now look at our city. It's, yeah, it's come great. alive. And I'm super excited and juiced about that and looking forward to keeping them here. And they're going to be permanent. So... Um, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm most happy about. Um, in terms of most, uh, what was that again? Frustrated. Most frustrated about, uh, probably what's happening with the schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and the fact that our kids, you know, today was one of the first days that our kids went back to school, uh, just from kindergarten to second grade, I'll take it, but just how political it's become. Mm -hmm. And that's been probably my biggest disappointment throughout this pandemic.
3: Mm -hmm. When COVID is blessedly behind us, what will be your number one priority for the city moving forward? Building more housing, because that will help with homelessness, that will
1: help with a number of other affordability, diversity, Mm -hmm. the challenges around poverty. If we have housing opportunities for people of various
3: income levels, that will really change how San Francisco is as a city. Mm -hmm. And last question, what is one thing you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Uh, I I will say that what I try to always always
1: always do is make sure that I take care of myself first, mm-hmm. and that includes getting enough rest, drinking a ton of water, working out at least thirty minutes every day, and meditating. So it's really self care, mm-hmm. so that I can take care
3: of the city. Ah, huh. that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was fun to talk to you. Thank you. All right. Can you get a photo. Yeah, can we do a photo?
2: You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest, London Breed. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com pod.